Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Art Blog Radio. I am super excited today. I am here with Gerald Brown, who is yeah, currently curating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who is currently curating an amazing show at the Clay Studio called Funkadelic Awakening: A Futuristic Resistance. Oh, we're gonna get into it today. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Gerald. Thank you so much for it. I, it's, it's truly an honor to one hang with you. I know you're doing amazing work in the city. And as somebody who looks up to a lot of the great things that you're doing and the Aww. energy that you spread, like it's really an honor to talk to you and be able to like engage with some different ideas that I'm thinking about that I know you're probably like exploring as well. So let's make it happen. You're gonna make me cry. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. So um, I'm super excited about this show. First of all, when I saw the word Funkadelic, I was hyped. I was, I'm not even going to lie about that. I was hyped because I'm a huge fan of George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic and just honestly like funk music. Um, so seeing that really, it sparked something inside me. Also, futurism is something that I, I love exploring. Um, yeah, and a lot of artists in Philly are on that tip. Yeah, so like the, yeah. It's like, it's really, I know we were talking about like something in the water, man. Like there's a <laughs> lot of great stuff where people are really trying to re-explore different ways to conceptualize their own life, um, the life of their community, and like what is it like beyond these, you know, Eurocentric, heteronormative, you know, ex-ism, ex ism, ism, you know, kind of spaces that yeah, don't definitely. think about us. Definitely, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and shout out to Black Quantum Futurism and the folks gang, gang. <laughs> exactly who have been who have been doing this work for for a very very long time and who have put down you know a lot of foundations for a lot of us who are also you know following in those footsteps. So many thanks to them. But um, yeah, so your show, I'm super excited. You got three artists that you're working <laughs> with: Dante K. Hayes. Jennifer Lang Dachuk and Salvador Jimenez Flores. Mm -hmm. So, can you tell us a little bit about how you kind of conceptualized this this show that you're curating? Yeah, um, it was really interesting. So, like, I always have like these weird things where I'm like um, thinking about hypotheticals, and I'm just like, yo, if I ever got to work with this person, what would I do? If I ever got to do this. And so I just remember, I think, first coming across Dante and being like, yo, if I ever could work with this homie, like, I'd love to be able to see his process or do whatever. And then I had a very similar feeling with Jennifer. And then I started to see some connections in their work. And then lastly, I was exploring uh, Salvador's website one day and it just hit me. I was just like, oh, shit. Like... And I started, I like in my room with my own process, I started mapping out things and like drawing diagrams so I could see like the way, just the way the work was like making me feel. Like mm. as an individual, I started to be like trying to piece things together and try to articulate and, and dig deeper into what those layers look like. And so for sometimes when thinking about futurism or even like, you know, more contemporary versions of black futurism, people think it's just like, you know, flying cars or things along with that, or even, you know, Black Panther, which is an amazing movie. But it kind of paints this very limited kind of aesthetic that deals with, uh, you know, technology or like things like that, like from a very tech standpoint. And uh, I remember one of my professors at school, um, Dr. Mays, she would talk about like to think about futurism only from the standpoint of like the internet and technology is to kind of discredit 
you know, a, fut a futuristic, you know, theoretical framework slaves might have had. And so to think mm. about, you know, them deciding to run away or them to deciding to maybe kill their children because they didn't want them to live in this world or any of those, that's like them really digging down to the deep theoretical framework of what Afrofuturism, I feel like, means. And for me, like with this show, it's about centering this very like black, um, conceptual idea, but not in a way that hinders or like severs any other forms of futurism that other people are thinking about. Like Salvador comes up with his own version. Um, he talks about it. There's like a lot of different futurisms out there. It's just to like kind of, you know, we often use Eurocentric ideas uh, to apply to everybody. Why can't we do that for this, you know? And so that's kind of like my thought process with thinking about Afrofuturism and how it's like creating this mindset or this ability to think beyond your current situation, your current reality. And the way space is like, you know, endless and infinite, like that's how your imagination should be. And that's how you can think, use that to think about yourself, your race, your gender, your like nationality, like all these things that, you know, are kind of framed for us. Like how can we take ownership and challenge that and be able to write it in our own language, you know? and use coded things that, you know, our community understands. And so, like, Funkadelic, for me, I've always kind of in the background as a kid, my parents played a lot of music, a lot of soul funk. Um, when I first started this idea, just Funkadelic was just, like, imprinted on my brain. Like, it just, it felt like that's the word I had to use. Mm -hmm. Then when I re-listened to Maggie Brain, it totally sealed the deal. And so when I think about that, that imagery or that sound of that, that guitar, um, it, it sounds like you're traveling somewhere, something that's Absolutely. like very familiar, very soulful, but still a little bit unsettling, something different, something that is not quite right now. It's like mm. some 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 difference, some some futuristic experience that is something to try to get to or like strive for. And so when I think about the ways in which all these artists are thinking about that with their own communities, their own work, their own visual, you know, ingenuity, I'm like that's what I feel like Funkadelic was doing. And then, of course, like, Awakening is, like, this emergence of something. So, of course, I'm thinking about Childish Gambino and Awaken My Love. So it's, like, all these threads that are kind of happening. But mostly it's about exploring the ways in which people are using their own language and their own ways to construct how they view themselves in their community. Sorry, I just, like, threw a bunch of no. shot fire. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, that's that's why we're here. To get in there to really understand, you know, your thought process behind putting this together, and uh, and to give you the space to talk about your own process, the work that you do. So speaking of the work that you do, <laughs> in addition to <laughs> in addition to curating this show, you're also an artist. You also have your own art practice. Let's talk about that. What do you get into? How did you start? How did you start? Um, so I identify as a visual artist, as a sculptor. Um. I love making these objects that uh, are starting to articulate this idea of descendants of strange fruit. Mm. And so I started this work like in my junior year of undergrad and I was really just kind of wrestling with my own positionality in this kind of lineage mm. and different things or behaviors that I've learned, have adapted to, adopted and internalized in ways that are good, but also bad. And so for me, it's been a way to grapple with a lot of things that um, 
kind of revolve around anti-blackness, anti-anti-black womanhood, like all respectability politics, um, and ways that allow me to challenge and be real honest about ways in which I've uh, reaffirmed these different things that not only continue to oppress myself, but continue to oppress other people around me that I love. And so one big concept that I try to explore is like, we often always question what does it mean to be a bad black, but we never really question what it means to be a good black and how that concept of good reaffirms what is bad. And so my favorite uh, resource that I use, my, that, um, kind of helped us is uh, The Black and the Barrier by Kendrick. And so he's talking about all these things. <laughs> um, he's talking about all these things where he's like, he he wanted to celebrate February like it's his B-Day, um, watermelon, catfish. Um, but he's like, but game banging made me kill a nigga blacker than me. Mm. And so for me, like, what does that mean for myself? Mm. And so I started exploring this idea of black exceptionalism how I manipulate my body to uh, shape shift in these different hyper white spaces or these heterogender normative spaces that Absolutely. kind of do the same thing that Kendrick is talking about, you know? And so the people who can't shape shift in those spaces, or I'm reaffirming the expectation to shape shift in those spaces, like how is that affecting other people around me? And so um, a lot of my work, I like use like ceramics as the vehicle to talk about it. So I pinch these organic forms that um, have these like interesting like kind of curves and shapes um, that talk about like what is what does it mean to be a strange fruit um, but then also have like this uh, similar to I guess the show too this unsettling feeling so something that's familiar but yet unsettling and a little bit eerie and so after I make the objects I think about the space that the object occupies and so I'm looking at how can I transform the area to reflect the environment that this fruit is going in. So if I'm talking about fruit, um, you know, being impacted by these hyper white spaces, but how can I reflect that language of that is manipulating the fruit to act a certain way? So my work is constantly evolving. I do use sound um, printmaking to create signs, to do a bunch of crazy stuff, but overall it's, it's constantly expanding. I, just finished undergrad last year, so I'm just now coming back into a rhythm that I feel like is where I left off at, and I feel pretty confident and excited about how can I, um, you know, really dig deeper into these ideas in a way that feels meaningful and genuine, but also brings some kind of healing to other people, you know, like, where they look at it and they feel and they can, like, grapple with some of these things that they may be struggling with or things that they never even thought about in a way that feels honest and not like you're, be, you're ridiculing somebody. Because you, when you're reacting in an environment to just survive, you're like doing things to just get to the next step. And so you, you're not really always making honest decisions. But then when you are in the spaces out of that and you're choosing to do certain things, like that's when I try to question and be like, okay, how can I attack this? How can I break this cycle, break these, break these behaviors and manifestations? So That's amazing. Yeah, I, love, I really love your thought process. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it, y'all. I you, feel it. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. And it, it shows through the work that you're doing and also the way that you're framing this work. Um, thank you, fam. Thank, thank you. you. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to be there on Friday like, I know them. Yo. I'll be like, I know them, yo. With every 
everybody hands down. All right, bet. Real small no, minutes. No, small minutes. No yo. minutes. Because we, we share a space, right? We share a space. Like, literally, I was no so minutes. geeked when people, like, my um, my boss told me, like, oh, somebody wants to, like, do a story about the show, and it's with Lopez. First of all, I was like, oh, shit, Whit knows who I am. No, but, oh, wait, I'm not Whit. Stop and playing. Then, and then you better stop playing. Every person I've told that, like, I'm working with you on this, like, they blew me hands down. they like, Whit is incredible. Whit it's like all around badass, extraordinary. They're all liars. No. All of them. No, Wit is actually lying in this second. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Wow. Nah, you, you real fly though and, and you know, real recognize real. So I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. No, you're mm, yes. You're amazing. Thank You're you. amazing. So I'm super excited to see this show that's coming up on Friday. So, like I said, there's three artists in the show. Yep. Dante K. Hayes, Salvador Jimenez Flores, Jennifer Lane Detcher. Yep. How did you select these artists? What was your process? So the whole show was inspired by them three. So I couldn't think about bringing anybody else into it because I really just, the way they work spoke, spoke to me, I wanted to keep that intensity. The work itself, I've always been specifically inspired by different visual elements that each uses. So I went around like thinking, okay, how will this complement this? How will this work with this? But also like, how does this continue to reaffirm what we're thinking about? So providing something familiar, but something very unsettling. For mm-hmm. Dante, like one one of my favorite pieces. Um, that he's made is like these new abstract forms and like they're really interesting because you can't really tell what them are but they still look very familiar and like not to keep saying that but like it's like this weird combination where it's like almost it's itching because it's like what's <laughs> it's like when somebody gets a haircut and you like what's off like you still look like <laughs> the same person but like you know and so these forms are all to my knowledge straight from the clay so the way it looks mm. it's like how the clay looks when it's fired. Mm. Um, but he creates these interesting textures that are just so beautiful and still like, they're almost like not a mask, but like it's something that like holds a shape and a form without representation. And to me, that's what, you know, looking at my myself as a black woman, like how I define like what I'm trying to do with my, my body and like my ideals. So the way he manipulates texture on that piece is going to be crazy. Like, when you see it, like, we, we got to talk again. Because <laughs> it's really, really dope. It's really dope. All his work is dope, but to me, this new body of work that he's doing, I'm really, really messing with. That's Similar wonderful. with the other artists. I think Jennifer has these dope-ass uh, ceramic brass knuckles. Hey. Um, the two together say basic bitch. Amazing. It's fucking fire. <laughs> um, Salvador has this huge, like, hybrid cacti totem that, like, really talks about the resilience of the plant and, like, the connection between his community and, like, the way those intersections of the work, like, each part of the totem and the whole installation speaks to, like, the intricacies. Because I think what's really important about talking about futurism and resilience and resistance even within the same community, it doesn't look the same. Absolutely. So, like, when you look at individual people and, like, a mom or dad or, like, a person who's working um, this kind of job or somebody who's this age, like, whatever intersection of identity with that, it's going to change the way the resistance looks. And so mm. I think his totem You're really right. reflects that. 
And I really like that a lot because, you know, you can't just say, well, this is what all like people from this area look like, you know, yeah. or this is what how we're all going to resist this kind of thing. Because we've seen in history, like when you just apply a blanket thing of resistance for a community, even if they're all identified within, you know, a similar community you're going to have friction because you're not considering the other forms of intersection that maybe your privilege or other like things that you have access to like complicates their existence. Exactly. So I really love their work. Jennifer has this other piece that's like not an object, but it is an object. It's like an installation. Um, it's a curtain that's hanging in the back that's really fire, and it has like a lot of great text on it. It kind of talks about the complexities within her identity in this like very prominent color scheme that's in ceramics which is like blue and white and how that's like comes from like this historical um like moment where porcelain was discovered in china but how that the the color scheme has been you know kind of like universalized around the world and so like how do we a pay homage how do we recognize and how do we create complexities within this like standardized aesthetic and i think when she talks about ways in which femininity intersect with that idea, it really creates a lot of room for opportunities to think about how do those same universal color schemes come from a very male-dominant gaze. Mm, so it's really cool wow. to kind of like see see them push back with these things like basic bitch or on there like it says like eat good, drink good, poop good or something like that. It's like... <laughs> Things that you, like, need in your life to keep going, but also kind of, like, still diversify and complicate these forms of resistance. Absolutely. So, I really like their work. I, like, didn't expect all of them to look as good together. I mean, I'm like, when work looks good, I guess it can't not look good next to other good work. But the color schemes really, I think, work well together. And I think that was, like, a really nice surprise at the end when, when the whole show went up. Which I can't imagine us doing this interview before, because I don't know how... I would have thought about the show or like my framework, but I think reflecting now, I'm just like, can be more happy about everything that would happen. So. Mm. That's wonderful. That's it's always great when a show works works out well. Like yeah, that, when, when things kind of fall into place. Um, yeah, I know that feeling. So totally. I'm very or, happy for you. Or even when you like get an unexpected surprise that you like didn't even like think about. You was like, oh snap, that actually was like. <laughs> it's like when you eat so, like what is it like um. Like uh, like they had those golf stoppers or something. And it's like a thing in the center, and you like on your way eating it, you forgot, and you like got to you're like, oh shit, that's good. Yeah, that's like exactly how I feel right now. Now that's wonderful. So since you're also a sculptor, you're also a visual artist. How did your education? And you say you just finished school recently. So how did your education in the arts inform how you chose to shape this show? And if you're like, I don't want to go into that. We don't have to. <laughs> no, let's do it. Let's do it. We already we don't have to go into it. it but... So it's, it's no um, surprise that all the artists are under, coming from an underrepresented community. They're all brown in some degree. And so when you talk about brownness and blackness and like just different forms in which we celebrate people of color, one, we can often pick one type of person of color. So a person that feels this like, status quo of what the you know eurocentric world wants from you know a person of color or they like kind of like talk they use their platform to talk about just aesthetics and elements and those versions of people of color there's nothing wrong with like i'm totally fine like i'm not going to ever shoot somebody for like 
making a decision about their work the way they feel. But like, there's so many other people out there in the world to make like work that's not as easy to digest. It's not as easy to just write off. Absolutely. Like, it checks this box, it does this thing, and it does this thing. And so, like, I really was excited to pick people one that I feel like are leaders in the in the art and ceramic field who are of color, who do make great work, makes complicated, theoretical, risky work, but mm-hmm. then also who are just people who, like, love to, like, push the visual aesthetics of visual art. And so, like, people also forget when you, I guess, put, like, make make an exhibition that's surrounded by people of color, that the people of color are actually impacting the field that you're in. They're just not, like, oh, there's these people in this field. Like, they're actually changing and, like, pushing the boundaries of the field where it, like, affects everybody. It affects the sex of everyone. So when you think about Picasso and how he does that, that's these people, too. Not just because they brown. It's just, like, because they people and they're smart and they're, like, intelligent and do great shit. So I think that these people are, like, honestly my idols in a lot of ways. And it was really, really awesome for them to be able to be like, yes, I do want to work with you and, like, let's make this show happen. Um, And it gives me confidence in my work because I think that in a lot of ways, the way they take risks and how they view their work in this complicated, layered form is how I view mine. And mm-hmm. so it gives me confidence to not want to back down or not want to, like, say, oh, let me make something like this because, like, I, I feel scared that the public is not going to react how I wanted mm-hmm. to because yeah. they're doing it, you know? Yeah. And so, like, even if... um you know, I don't get to do another show like this. It was really great to be able to work with them because it just ultimately, as an artist, gave me more confidence to be me and do me. That's real. Don't worry. There'll be more shows in your future. You're, you're very talented. You're, you're very talented. And honestly, this is like, this is an absolutely amazing show. It, it shows how amazing you are, how strategic your thinking is, totally. your process. So I'm super excited to see what your future is going to totally. hold because I know it's going to hold a whole lot of stuff this is a really amazing show thank you fam i really appreciate it oh no i I appreciate you (laughs) look at all this appreciation going around yo it's enough from when people don't appreciate us (laughs) that's real that's real that's real so i appreciate you and i also appreciate you joining me today on our blog radio gang 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 Amazing. And with that, that is where the show is going to come to a close. Thank y'all. <laughs> no, thank you. And thank you everyone out there who is listening right now. Um, this is a first Friday special, so please go see Gerald's show at the Clay Studio. 137 North 2nd Street. It's in Old City. It's like on 2nd Street in between Arch and Race. So definitely pull up 5 to 8. You know what's good. It'll, the show will be up till June 30th, so make sure that you check it out before it's gone. Um, thanks again to CultureWorks for allowing us to use this space today to record the show. Thank y'all. And that's it, everybody. We're Woo-hoo! out for today. Bye, y'all. Peace.